This is the Midweek Exception, an NBA podcast for the 23rd of November, 2015. I'm John, and joining me today is Grant. Yes, Grant covered in multiple feet of snow, to be clear. Yeah, we got hit pretty badly with snow uh, over the last few days. I mean, it was really only, only Friday and Saturday, it seemed, where we actually got snow, right? Yeah, and I was driving uh, in all of it, so that was fun. What should have been like a three-hour drive for me turned into basically a five-plus-hour drive. Right, because you were going from Illinois up to like probably northern Wisconsin, or not really northern Wisconsin, but like midway to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, essentially. That can be kind of brutal. I imagine they got hit pretty hard with the snow also. Yeah, and it was right during the thick of it, so that was fun. But no yeah. accidents, so we're happy. As long as you were safe. Um, so I guess I should preface that today's podcast, we're talking about all of the teams that are kind of at the, that aren't living up to our expectations so far. So there's some obvious picks in there. But uh, yeah, we're going to kind of look at each of these teams and gauge whether or not we think they're going to make the climb back into the playoff picture, if they're going to look better within the next few days and all that stuff. So I guess to kick it off, and since we were just talking about Wisconsin, we should talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, who are sitting at five and eight right now. Last year, we're kind of one of those teams that everyone was really, really, uh, is is it wrong to say amazed by the fact that they were able to battle back and end up with a 41-41 record? I would say that's pretty accurate. I mean, even Bucks fans who, like the most hyped up Bucks fans were, pretty surprised with what uh, their team was able to accomplish. Yeah, it was one of those things that was really surprising to seeing what was the the Bucks record the previous season. It was their they were the worst team, I think, right, in the NBA in the uh 13 or yeah, the 13-14 season. I'm trying to remember what their record was, but they were, you know, terrible obviously and then got a good draft pick. Um but yeah, the previous year they were really really good. And this year, they're off to a 5-8 start, not looking so good right now. Defensive rating, they are the 30th of 30, so not really looking particularly great there. Offensive rating, 21 of 30. So what's going on with the Milwaukee Bucks right now? I think, you know, you can look at the additions they made in the offseason, getting uh, Greg Monroe back, and then obviously um, Jabari Parker just came back from his injury. But I don't think... It's hard for me personally to kind of gauge what's going on with this team right now. In their initial games this season, they were moving the ball incredibly well, actually, for their first maybe six, seven games of the season. But it looks like they must have kind of fallen off a bit in the midst of a three-game losing streak. So with the Bucks right now, what are you seeing as things that are going wrong for them? I mean, I'm just seeing a team that is trying to figure it all out because I mean, Jabari is a looks to be, you know, a very promising player. I mean, before he tore his ACL last year, he was having, you know, arguably a rookie of the year season. It was pretty much him and Wiggins who, you know, were going to be battling back and forth, and then he tore his ACL. But players like that who, you know, haven't been in the league for a few years, it's hard to get them back into, you know, the the flow of the team, you know, pretty seamlessly. It just doesn't happen like that because – He's, they're still figuring out how to properly utilize him. He's still figuring out, you know, where he completely belongs on the on the court. And then he also has to figure out how he's going to play alongside Greg Monroe as well. And between the two of them, you know, one of them's got to figure out who's going to focus more on defense because they're both more offensive-minded players. So 
they're really struggling on the defensive side of the floor because kind of what everyone said was, you know, Greg Monroe will never anchor a defense and be the best defensive player on the floor, but he can certainly, you know, be effective in the right scheme. And that's what kind of the Bucks thought was going to happen. However, right now, with kind of a lot of moving pieces, it's just not working out very well for them mm-hmm. because they're kind of looking more to Greg Monroe to kind of anchor the defense and, you know, be that defensive stopper when he was never going to be that. He is an offensive-minded player that's a big body that, you know, in the right scheme can produce and be, you know, solid on the defensive side. But if you're looking for him, like at him for stops, it just isn't going to happen that way. So they're really struggling on the defensive side of the floor, and they were never a great offensive team. So that 21st ranking shouldn't be surprising. Right. But I think they really also, they need to figure out their outside shooting. They need to get that together. And I, I don't have the uh, their team three-point shooting stat offhand right now, but I imagine it's not very great. Because yeah. you also have to remember that Michael Carter-Williams is their point guard. He's the one bringing the ball up every time. And he is a terrible three-point shooter. I mean, he's kind of improved slightly, but he's never going to shoot, you know, 40% or higher. He's never even going to probably shoot 35%. And the rest of their team isn't really three-point shooters besides from maybe, you know, Jared Bayless, but still he's not a spot-up three-point shooter. He's kind of more of a, you know, off the dribble. So that's just kind of what they're lacking right now is that three-point scoring, and then they really need to figure out, you know, what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. Right, yeah, to kind of drive home your point about three-point shooting, they actually rank sixth in uh, three-point percentage, but it's only because they're in the bottom uh, half and the bottom 10 teams for three-pointers attempted and three-pointers made uh, 23rd and 26 for both of those. So definitely one of those teams, they, had not, they, they really just aren't able to knock down those three-point shots. They're not able to really even attempt them that much. And what I've seen so far is a team that just has not lived up to the it's, it's not even the team that hasn't lived up to the potential. It's individual players that haven't lived up to their potential. I think the Greg Monroe signing was really nice in the offseason. And I was reading some like fans' thoughts about it now, you know, a couple of games in, 13 games in. And a lot of people have the same kind of sentiment of it was nice to see a kind of bigger name free agent just go to Milwaukee. Because it's not something that you see all the time, you know? Like, it's not a common thing to see, oh, this player decided to go to Milwaukee. They signed there, not part of a trade or something like that. So it was nice to see it. But reflecting on it now, I don't know if he's lived up to the potential that Bucks fans saw he was going to have. And really, the only player, in my opinion, that has is Giannis, who's having a really good, se- really good season so far. Uh, multiple games going into the like 23 to like 28 point range, averaging 17.6 points per game right now, 6.7 rebounds, shooting 51%. So... Yeah, Giannis has looked really good. Chris Milton hasn't really played as well as I think he could play right now. I think he's off to a very slow start, and he'll obviously kind of get that going for him eventually, I imagine. Michael Carter-Williams only played eight games so far. He was obviously injured for a little bit there as well. So it's definitely a a case of a team that is just off to a bit of a slow start right now. They'll They'll pick things up, I imagine, but do you think there's a chance that they don't even make the playoffs this year. I mean, there's certainly a chance with uh, the way some of the other teams in the East are playing. Um, However, I would be surprised if they don't at least 
sneak into the eight seed. I mean, that would surprise me mainly because yes, they're young and untested, but they still have that, you know, that first time making the playoffs experience under their belt. They've got a lot of good players. And another big problem with them was they lost a lot of their depth Mm -hmm. and their depth now is a lot of younger players who are kind of almost getting their first real minutes in the NBA or, you know, their first real chance to actually being a role player. So I think they'll, they're kind of their depth, their bench will figure it out. I mean, Jason Kidd is a, a great coach. I would say he's top eight easily right now. And I just, he could be higher. I just am not going to take the time to think of all the top coaches. Yeah, not blame um, you. But he, he's, cert- he's certainly a top coach right now. I think he'll definitely get it figured out. And I think they'll figure out their defense as well. And I think now that they're getting closer to being fully healthy, they will continue to improve, especially on the defensive side. And look for Jabari and Greg Monroe to get going and them to be kind of focused on a little bit more, you know, inside scoring rather than outside scoring. And I think that'll definitely help them once kind of they figure out how to play off each other well, because like you're saying, they started off, their ball movement was great. They, you know, they looked really, really solid, but then a lot of their players got healthy and a lot of that went by the wayside. So to kind of go back to your original question, I expect them to still be the sixth or seventh seed in the East. Um, but I also think it'll get worse before it gets better. You know, I don't be surprised if they're five and 10, you know, in the next couple of days here, but I think they'll be able to figure it out on the fly. And I really look for, you know, the second, you know, for the second, the last two thirds of the season, I couldn't figure out how to say that. Right. Um, them to really get going, especially Greg Monroe and Jabari, because I think those two, those two players are their um, offensive studs. And I expect both of them to kind of figure that out and be able to play well off each other. And I think they're going to have a really, really solid one, two, you know, big man punch. Yeah, I can see that being the case. Um, I mean, it's one of those things also where the East is surprisingly starting to actually look a little bit more daunting of a conference to make a push in you know like i feel like in the previous seasons outside of those you know like last year the bucks like kind of surprising everyone slipping into the playoff picture uh, the east is otherwise pretty easy to predict who's going to make it and who's not going to make it in the last two years so it'll be interesting to see though those almost like bottom teams well not really bottom teams right now but those teams that are on the rise this season battle for a spot that otherwise could go to the milwaukee bucks you know you have the pistons and Some people said they were land on magic, which I don't really see happening. But there are those teams that, you know, they can make a real strong push to get into the playoff picture in the East. Uh, So our next team we have down is the Los Angeles Clippers, a team that just last night actually lost a game to the Toronto Raptors, losing 91 to 80 um, in the midst of a three game losing streak that kicked off with a loss to the Golden State Warriors. They lost by seven points. And then from then on, things have just kind of looked worse over the last two games after that. Um, I know there was a report yesterday that Josh Smith was, you know, like swearing a ton in the locker room after the game and that a coach was also swearing with him and stuff. Uh, You could hear loud noises in the locker room. So a Clippers team that was able to get to the semifinals last year and on paper going into the season, I thought, 
were in a pretty good place. I think I had them being one of the top three teams in the Western Conference right now. They are actually at the eighth seed right now, but that's obviously going to change since the season's only a few games in. Um, yeah, defensive rating, they're 24th of 30. But, you know, offensively, they're a top 10 team right now. I think that the Clippers will be able to get it together. I think there are some key things that they do need to improve. I mean, you can't really ignore the fact that they were missing J.J. Redick, Chris Paul for three games of the 13 so far this season. Um, some Just some additions I think people were maybe a little bit too high on, like adding Paul Pierce to the team's roster, I don't think was really that important of a pickup for their success going into this season because, yeah, offensively, he's good. He can knock down those threes and stuff. I feel like it's kind of the perception of Paul Pierce going into this season was warped a little bit just because of his performance with the Wizards last season during the postseason. I think everyone was kind of high on him again saying, oh, you know what? He could start for this team, but realistically, he's not performed particularly great so far for the um, Los Angeles Clippers, especially on the defensive end. Jamal Crawford's still getting a ton of minutes that a lot of people seem to think he really shouldn't be getting from Doc Rivers. Lance Stevenson was put into the starting lineup, then pulled out, and just a lot of questions about if he's even getting enough touches. I actually saw a post on Reddit the other day. I was kind of browsing the Clippers page while I was reading up on the doom and gloom going on over in LA right now for them. I guess for the Lakers also, but more so for the Clippers because I think they're anticipated to have a really good season. And a lot of people are saying that Lance Stevenson is just not getting enough touches. You have players like Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, who are just getting the ball significantly more in the past received um, statistic. Rivers, uh, 37.8 passes. Jamal Crawford, 31.7. Lance Stevenson, 16. So he's not even getting that many touches on the ball. Um, just it, it's it's a tricky situation is to really gauge what's going wrong with the Clippers right now. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on them. I think this is a classic case of a great 2K roster, but a terrible NBA roster. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, all those people you kind of just described, Lance Stevenson, Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, they need the ball in their hands. That's when they're great. That's when they are great players is when they've got the ball in their hands and they're, they're making things happen off the dribble. So it's not about him not getting touches. It's about him honestly not taking the ball, like taking the ball up the court. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge, you know, factor in him not performing to expectations is because a lot of times – they want him to be a catch and shoot player and he's not. And the other problem is he can't really play shooting guard when you've got Jamal Crawford and Austin rivers on the court, because neither of them could even come close to guarding a small forward. So their bench on paper, you know, looks solid. They've got, you know, two potential starters. I mean, Jamal Crawford's not a starter, but on the right team, he could, he could sit and he could play, get decent minutes at the two. And Lance Stevenson, Lance Stevenson can um, could be a starter, but again, he needs to be able to bring that bring the ball up. And I don't know. I just I see a lot of similar players, not necessarily a team makeup. Whereas their starting lineup is actually the exact opposite. You know, they've got 
J.J. Redick playing off of Chris Paul and playing off Blake Griffin when they can kick it out and he can spot up and shoot. Uh, DeAndre Jordan as a defensive stud mixed with Blake Griffin, who's more uh, offensive-minded. So, you know, they've still got the, that great starting five, but their depth is a, is a major concern. And, you know, if they're going to have injuries coming up, it really does not do well for them. Yeah. So I guess it brings us to the question of where do you think they're going to end up? And is there even a chance that they don't make the playoffs? Uh, no, I think they're going to, no matter what, they're going to make the playoffs. I think, I think in time they'll get everything together and they'll be okay. I think there are teams right now that are seeded as a playoff team in the Western conference that won't hold the seed they have right now. Example, Dallas Mavericks, no way they're the third seed. No way they're a top six seed, in my opinion. I think they fall to seven or eight. Um, otherwise, you know, you do have some some of those other teams that are lingering with the playoff spot right now. You have the Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz, Memphis Grizzlies, who are starting to kind of get get their their game going, playing better than they were earlier this season. I think the Clippers, no matter what, make the playoffs. Um, I'm starting to have my doubts whether or not I can firmly say they're going to be a top four team in the Western conference, but you know, should they not be a top four team? Who's, you know, who moves up Do the Rockets make a huge jump and climb back in those top four seats. I don't know. I have really no idea what they're going to do, but I think no matter what the Clippers make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm definitely on the same side of that. I'll even go as far as to say, I won't be surprised when they are a top four team. Right. I think, I think they're probably going to be right around the four seed. I mean, Warriors, they're the number one. They might not lose a game this year. Like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Looking that that's, way. That's coming up in a, a different podcast. And they, they're a surprise for a different reason because holy hell. Um, but then the kind of the rest of the top four, I mean, I, I expect the Spurs to be in there. But has any other team really stood above and beyond everyone else and I mean right now like you said it's kind of the Dallas Mavericks but you gotta kind of expect someone's gonna get injured on the Mavericks and Dirk is gonna show some wear and tear and they're gonna need to rest Dirk a little bit whereas I think at this point the Mavs are gonna be happy when they make the playoffs because a lot of people didn't even expect them in the playoffs I didn't even so I look for the Clippers to because of last year understand the significance of being a top four seed and I look for them to really push and really, really make, uh, you know, that push, like I just said, for a top four seed. So I would not be surprised if they um, end up as the four seed in the West, especially because the West at the moment looks extremely open. Um, a lot of expectations kind of defied for the most part um, up to right. this point. So Clippers right now, they're a pretty big disappointment. But I mean, I think the season is still bright for them. They need, I think they really need to find a way to make a move or two, but have no idea what that move is. Cause you got, you kind of think that of the three players we were talking about on their bench, one, you got, you have to look to trade one of them. Right. But who is going to trade for one of those guys? You know, is there a trade partner for Austin Rivers? I think unequivocally the answer is no. Is there a trade partner for Jamal Crawford? In years past, you'd think so, but 
is anyone going to really give up anything of significance for Jamal Crawford, who I think is like 36 now? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, and the answer is probably no, uh, you know, barring some injuries. Uh, but still, are they going to give up a lot? No. And no one's giving up anything really for Lance Stevenson unless it's really you, you look for a team that's not even in playoff contention to – grab Lance Stevenson if they can and I just I don't think they will so you have to have something click for really for them to move one of those pieces and it's just uh very doubtful that they're gonna have any amount of success doing that right and the one thing I actually do want to point out is if we're talking about a team making a push to get some really quick wins the Clippers don't have a hard schedule they don't really have like a tough opponent until maybe the well the 18th of December when I'm looking at the schedule now from today until then they play the Nuggets, Jazz, Pelicans, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Pacers, Magic, Timberwolves, Bucks, Bulls I guess actually would be a challenging team so that's the 10th of December but they have a nice stretch right there of a couple games where they could you know they could make some noise then after the Bulls game they play the Nets, Pistons, Bucks, then the Spurs but there's a nice stretch for them, really, in that for for a chunk of December and the end of November, where they could get some solid wins and they could make up some lost ground in the Western Conference. Right, exactly, and really, with the way the West kind of is right now, you just have to look for them to win two thirds of those games. Right. If they win two thirds of those games, they are going to be sitting fine, probably sixth or seventh in the West. And then you know that's when teams kind of start to come down to earth. And you see some teams slip and you, you kind of get a better feel of what teams are legitimate contenders versus pretenders. And, you know, if you just if you have them, again, a, a handful of games over 500 right in the thick of it, they will be fine. And like you said, they've got a great schedule moving forward. So, you know, I would definitely look for them to be winning, you know, two out of every three games coming up because they just have too much talent to continue to drop these type of games, especially close games because, you know, Chris Paul is one of the best closers in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to lose as many more of these close games. Then they're, they're going to, they're, their luck definitely needs to turn, especially, you know, with Chris Paul as the focal point, because I mean, how many times in the last you know, six years have we seen Chris Paul just come in, they're down six, and then all of a sudden they're up four because mm-hmm. Chris Paul just had like five possessions in a row where, you know, he just took over and he suddenly realized that he can hit threes. Right. So, yeah, I think that's probably – I'll, I'll be done ranting about the Clippers. <laughs> no, they're an interesting team to look at. I think the next team, the next team we actually have down to talk about is the Houston Rockets, who are equally interesting. Started off the season zero and three, then went four and three after winning four in a row. Then they dropped four, one one, dropped two, sitting at five and nine right now. And they do not have a head coach in Kevin McHale anymore. They actually fired him a few games ago. Um, obviously big bummer for him. I don't think so. The logic in firing him, it, is it a question of, Oh, he lost the locker room. Is it one of those kind of things? Because it seems like 
it seems like there's some sort of um I'm trying to think of the right word. There's almost like a sense of like remorse for the fact that they fired him. I mean, there was I feel like maybe Maury said it, I'm not sure who, but someone said that, you know, they didn't want to fire him. It was just a change that had to happen. And Kevin McHale's wife went on Twitter and completely blasted the team for doing it. So I guess first off to kick this off, do you think firing Kevin McHale was the right move? Was the right move? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a short write-up where I tried to kind of toe the line and you know talk about both sides, but I think there's definitely the sentiment throughout my kind of short, quick take on it that it was not the correct move. Um, however, when you listen to Maury and say it was just something that kind of had to be done, I think this is the classic case of you pick – you keep the player, you keep the coach. I think there was probably a lot of disconnect between James Harden at the moment and Kevin McHale. Um, I don't know about the rest of them, the rest of the team, because it seemed like a lot of the team really liked him, um, especially Dwight Howard, who, you know, they're kind of big man bros Yeah. in that. And that's part of the reason he, I think he signed in Houston was because, you know, he could – work on a lot of post moves and a lot of his, you know, post game with Mikhail. Um, however, their superstar is James Harden. He's coming off of a runner up for MVP, but he is playing kind of like shit. I mean, he's had a couple good games, but aside from those, you really, he has not played up to expectations. And you don't know where his head is. You don't know why. And I don't even really want to speculate because no one has any idea. <laughs> yeah, really, no one does. Uh, but I really think it came down to, well, James Harden isn't happy. Him and Mikhail are fighting because I'm sure Mikhail became a little less player friendly and was a little more James Harden, you know, get your stuff together mm-hmm. and let's go. Let's play like we know how to play. James Harden probably didn't respond too well to that, and there was a change that needed to be made, and they're not going to get rid of the guy you know they just traded for and have on a max contract, and last year was a top-five player in the NBA. They just That won't happen. So a change needed to be made, and you know they, the whole team kind of needed a kick in the ass, and I think that's honestly why Mikhail is no longer their coach. And the real reason why I don't why I don't think it was a great decision was they have the perennial free agent 2K coach JB Bickerstaff coming <laughs> in to be the head coach. Right. And you really wonder what he is going to be able to do because he does not have that great of a assistant coach track record he has not been on very successful teams except for with the rockets obviously because of him him and mikhail he's an assistant coach to mikhail in minnesota i believe and then his dad actually hired him in charlotte to be when his dad was the head coach of the bobcats right yeah i'm looking at his record right now it just i don't think the rockets are in that safe of hands moving forward now 
full disclosure, I'm not a huge Rockets fan, so I don't really know what kind of an assistant he has been. Just his track record leads me to question firing, you know, a year in and year out head, you know, coach of the year candidate and someone who is a one of the, you know, best Rockets coaches in their team's history for this guy. And you wonder if Mikhail kind of lost the locker room, can one of his assistants really get it back? I don't know. And again, a lot of this is pure speculation. Neither of us have any inside access to the Rockets locker room. Yeah. But it just brings into question a lot of it. And again, it all, it all kind of comes back to it really seems like it was largely a James Harden type decision or it was with James Harden in mind and there had to be some disconnect because if your star player likes the coach, he doesn't leave, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think we kind of saw that a little bit in Chicago last year where in years past the whole team liked Tibbs and then eventually he kind of lost the locker room a bit and then they were safe to fire him. Whereas he didn't necessarily have the support of Joe Keem and Jimmy and Derek as much as he'd had in the past. So I think it could be a little similar, but you just really, I don't know. I really don't know how firing McHale makes this team better besides to try to give them a wake up call. And is this the real wake up call they need in that you just now have an assistant coach trying to manage an already fractured locker room? Yeah, it's, they're that team that I think no matter what makes the playoffs, but I wouldn't be shocked if things just completely go wrong for them this season. Because I feel like if we're talking from an effort standpoint, it seems like a lot of people are initially when Mikhail got fired, a lot of blame is being thrown at Dwight Howard saying, oh, look, this is a guy that got Stan Van Gundy fired. You know, oh, he ducked out on the Lakers also, despite having like one of the best point guards of all time on his team and all of those kind of things, a lot of like blame is being thrown towards him. When you look at it, though, Dwight Howard is like, I'm not saying anyone else on the roster isn't giving a complete effort outside of James Harden, but Dwight Howard is clearly the player who's like going there night in, night out, and just giving it his all and trying to play really good basketball. And I think that like what you're saying on this wake up call of, well, guess what? You don't have a head coach anymore. Here's JB Bickerstaff. Like to me, that's not a good wake-up call. That's not going to do anything for this team. I think no matter what, they're kind of screwed right now. I think, yeah, they, they could make a playoff push. They could end up in the in the Western Conference playoffs. I mean, they do have the roster that can do something like that, but you look at some of the adjustments that were made to the lineup. You have Marcus Thornton falling out of the starting five after a loss to Brooklyn when he had started every game previously, and he had a really good like hot start for the team it was a big talk for them it's kind of a bright spot saying hey you know we have this player who is drafted in like oh nine 28 year old who's looking really really good right now he never really got his chance but then you stop starting him and he starts getting single digit games shooting poorly so i i don't know if i'm being completely honest where the houston rockets go right now it's a it's a baffling kind of question i think you have to do something about james harden yeah he's he he's getting those games where he is scoring well he's he has those 40 point games 
He has some games where he shoots particularly well. But by and large, he hasn't looked that good this season outside of looking at his points per game. I really don't think he's performed up to the expectations people have set for him. He's shooting 38% right now, 27% from deep. Um, just an overall really poor performance for him. So I don't think that bodes well at all for the Houston Rockets this season, which is disappointing because after last year, seeing them get to the Western Conference Finals, everyone was really high on the team. Everyone thought they really could do something. You had Ty Lawson to the team. You think mm-hmm. it's going to go well. But I guess it kind of goes to what you said. On paper, this is a great 2K roster. This works really, really well there. But in in reality, you know, there's chemistry that goes into this. Personalities have to mesh really well. I don't think you can blame Ty Lawson for, you know, being put onto the team. And I don't think he's done anything particularly wrong in his time there. But just enough things seem to not be going right for them right now. That makes me kind of question whether or not they can make any significant noise outside of maybe getting a seed in the, the bottom half of the Western Conference. Yeah, and I'd just like to echo kind of what you said about Dwight Howard because um, I'm not the biggest Dwight Howard fan. I've never really liked him that much. I've always thought he was kind of a, a baby at times. And Yeah. But there's no way you can blame him because since he's been on the Rockets, he's consistently, you know, game in and game out, gave it his all and played through massive injuries. He basically played through a torn MCL in the playoffs last year, and his back will probably never be the same. He's consistently got a messed up back, and as a big man with a messed up back, you know, that's pretty. That's usually pretty devastating. And mm-hmm. he is coming in giving his full effort. Uh, and then the other thing you said, they don't really have a head coaching candidate. And yeah, in the regular season, you can make the playoffs, which I expect the Rockets to, to end up doing, but. When the game is on the line in game six, uh, we'll, we'll give them the benefit in the second round. They mm-hmm. make it to the second round on talent. When the game is on the line, game six, you know, down four with two minutes to go, you know, you're trading timeouts. Is Bakerstaff going to really be able to draw up the play? And is he going to have the respect of the huddle for them to go out and execute that play? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that's a big question mark. Whereas McHale, yeah, he wasn't the greatest X's and O's, but when the game was on the line in the playoffs, he could draw a place and the team would listen to him because he has been there and he has that experience and he's cool under pressure because, you know, he was on one of the best teams of all time. And he played in some of the most competitive games of all time in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So there is the respect there and there is the understanding that he knew what he was doing. And if they, if he lost, if that, you know, caliber of a coach with that kind of history lost the locker room is JB Bickerstaff in the playoffs going to have the respect from the team for them to listen to him and then for them to execute the play that he draws up. I don't know. Or either they do or James Harden says, screw it. I'm going ISO and bricks three. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden they're down six. So I don't, no, it's a very questionable decision to me. And at the end of the day, I don't think it was the right move. Um, I understand from the Rockets front office perspective why they believe it may have been necessary because we can't know what's going on behind closed doors. But it really brings in, I think the big, the biggest uh, question mark here that it brings up is 
the hell is James Harden doing? Yeah. What is he saying? What is he doing behind closed doors? That's what I want to know the most. Because why is there so much pressure on this front office to get rid of their head coach? And yeah. Usually it is has something to do with the star player. And if the front office isn't low-key bashing him on the way out, there probably wasn't that much friction between McHale and the front office. So right. you really have to wonder what's going on behind closed doors with their star players. Yeah. it's a sh- it, To me, it's a shame that the NBA has become that. I mean... That it is this, you know, that players do have this power to say who's in and who's out on these teams, you know, for head coaching and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like we kind of said everything we can for the Rockets. Yeah, but we both expect them to be in the playoffs, correct? Yeah, we. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think they make the playoffs. I think um, they need to correct a hell of a lot of things in order for them to get there. But they make the playoffs, you know, who knows? Maybe they're a top four team. Maybe they're a bottom four team you never know but no matter what they make the playoffs i just feel like the other teams that are looking good right now won't be able to necessarily hold the spots that they have um so talking about one team with questionable coaching in kevin McHale, which i think we kind of concluded he wasn't the problem to a team that is our final team that we're talking about as having disappointing start is no other than the new orleans pelicans with new head coach alvin gentry team is sitting at three and eleven right now um, you can't, you can't not acknowledge the fact that they have had injuries so far this season. Tyreek Evans was out. Drew Holiday was out to start the season. Omer Sheik was out. Anthony Davis was out. Um, otherwise, though, you look, you know, I'm on a basketball reference right now, looking at their game results where they have a little like, uh, chart that shows their wins and losses and how bad each one was. So many just losing streaks. I mean, they had a six-game losing streak to kick off the season. Then they won a game. Then they dropped five games. And they've won two games in a row now between this against the Spurs and the Phoenix Suns. So te- two teams actually look okay to kick off the season. But otherwise, just a Pelicans team that doesn't look like they quite have everything clicking right now. Anthony Davis obviously missing three games this season. Ryan Anderson has actually looked really good so far this season, which makes me really happy to see him performing up to the expectations I think that everyone should have for him, averaging 19.3 points per game right now, shooting 48%. Obviously, part of that has to do with the fact he was starting in some games when Anthony Davis was injured, so he got some more touches and got some pretty decent looks at the basket. Eric Gordon has looked really good as well, 18.5 points per game, shooting 35% from deep. Um Really, a team that for me, I wasn't. I really don't know what to say about what's going wrong for them. So I'm hoping you have, uh, you have the ability to kind of fill in the blanks for me right now. Because when you watch them on the court, it's it's obvious something's wrong. I mean, like it, it goes beyond a statistic thing. Like when you watch them on the court, clearly things just don't look right for them. I mean, they're losing games to teams like the Denver Nuggets to the Raptors losing big 81 to 100 kicking off the season, losing to Portland and obviously golden state. Um, So I'm curious to know what you think is going wrong for the Pelicans right now, because I'm kind of at a loss. I mean, I'm at a loss too. The only way I describe it is a complete and total collapse. Yeah. I mean, Like you said, I don't really know what to say besides the hell are they doing? 
Yeah. And I've said it on a other podcast, but it makes me really question Alvin Gentry. Yeah. Uh, because like I've said before, he is uh, a coach, you know, a player friendly coach. That's what he's kind of known for. Um, but there comes a time where you can't just be buddy, buddy and you gotta, you know, light a fire under your team. And, he really, I've been wondering all season, is he doing that? Uh, or is he just saying, it's okay, we'll figure it out. Anthony Davis, you're a god. You're going to be MVP. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Which, this clearly isn't the team to do that to. Because they really haven't accomplished anything. Yeah, they made the playoffs, but they went in and they got swept. Right. Uh, now everyone expected them to be able to repeat at least you know, a playoff push because of you know who they have Anthony Davis and they were able to do it last year so why not this year however you just really have to wonder what's going on it's the same kind of thing with the Rockets I want to know what's going on behind closed doors now I want to know what they're what's happening and why for some reason they can't get it right mm-hmm. so I just really it comes down to I don't know what's going on and I don't know what they're thinking because this team should not be this bad. There's nothing about this roster that should show this complete collapse. Now, could they be, you know, two games under 500? Absolutely. But three and 11 is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, it's 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 just so weird. You know, you have these teams that you would perceive as you know, you'd think, oh, they have a really good chance of making those. That They would start off the season really hot and look really, really good. I mean, the Pelicans last year looked pretty decent. I mean, they got the AC in the in the West, partially on account of the fact that the Thunder were down Kevin Durant and have him for most of the season. But it's it's surprising to see them take, see them take this big of a dip, especially when you have the off-season hype of, oh, man, Alvin Gentry's coming in. He's telling Davis to shoot threes and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, by and large, I think is a good thing for Davis that he can expand his range that much. I mean, he's shooting 36% from three right now. So it works out well for him, I think. Still, there's there's no question that Anthony Davis is still going to be a huge, huge part of the NBA for years to come. I mean, outside of you know, some initial poor performances this season. He kind of turned things around really quickly for him. Um, last game, having a 32.19 rebound performance. But, yeah, the the Pelicans are one of those teams I really can't gauge what's going on with them right now. There's kind of all over the place and a, a baffling team to look at, really. And I feel bad because I feel like we don't have a, a real solution for them right now. I feel like it's just a lot of things going wrong early. Um, you know, no doubt you can throw some, um, you can throw some concerns towards their early teams that they were playing that were tough. I mean, the Golden State Warriors they played twice already. You have the Atlanta Hawks, uh, Dallas Mavericks who look good, but otherwise their team just needs to kind of get everything turned around and get together as quickly as possible. Cause not to continually, you know, say mantra of the podcast, but those early games in the in the West, if you drop them, they're going to come back and bite you in the ass. And right now, you know, they're at three and eleven, and 
is almost looking like they're not going to make the playoffs, which I'm starting to suspect they won't make the playoffs this year. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, I don't think they will. Uh, too many other teams have stepped up their game. You know, the Suns look really solid. The Mavericks look really solid. Um, the Thunder are getting the job done. They're going to be back in there. The Rockets are going to probably figure things out, and, you know, they're in a better position after their early season collapse than the Pelicans are. I There's really right now there's no room for the Pelicans. And yeah. the way things are going, what – is there, there's just nothing that makes me think, oh, you know what, they'll figure it out, or, oh, Tyreek Evans will get healthy and they'll be fine. Right. They they don't look like they're one healthy player away. They look like they need to trade. They need yeah. to, you know, find the right pieces. They need to get their bench figured out because it's not one player that's going to put this team in the playoffs. It's three, really. Right. It's it's they need a they need a starter and they need a role player and that starter yes that could be you know Tyreek Evans but you know, I almost think that they should probably trade you know a guy like Eric Gordon while he's got value yeah he's had a, he's had a very solid start to the season but if they could get a couple other pieces for him or even a draft pick or two that would be a lot better moving forward because great Eric Gordon could really help, you know, a playoff team right now that needs a, a, you know, a sixth man or that needs, you know, a starter that can knock down shots. The Pelicans just aren't there. And with his injury history, you know, is Eric Gordon the piece for them? Probably not. But while he's got value, see what you can see if you can maybe move him, see if you can get something for him to round out your team a little bit more because, there's just a lot that's wrong with their with the Pelicans right now, and it, you never want to say it seems pretty much out of the playoff race. But unless they can rattle off four or five wins in a row, they're not looking good. And it's nice that you know, they finally got a couple wins because they're winless for the first you know eight games. Yeah, but bad. three and eleven. Lucky for them, you know, there's only been 14, 15 games in the season. So if they get on winning streak, they could be at least in the hunt. Mm-hmm. But it's not what it's not like they're one win streak away from that, from, you know, being right in the thick of it. They're a win streak plus a bunch more wins because they can't right. just win a couple games and then lose three more. And then all of a sudden they're back out of it. So I just think there's not enough there. There's something weird going on with coaching and there's just a lot that needs to be figured out with Pelicans whereas last year we thought they were you know a coach and maybe a role player six man away they look like they are multiple pieces away from even just being you know a playoff team again right and you know I I, I'm hearing what you're saying about Eric Gordon and I think it should be noted that he's a free agent in the upcoming see uh upcoming off season so there's a chance he's kind of write out his contract he's making 15 million this year but otherwise you know they're in a position where next season they could i guess i should say next off season sorry but they could make some roster moves i mean the cap's going up they have the potential that they could make some really big moves i think you do have to lock up ryan anderson for a couple more years because he's 
consistently kind of performed well, I think. He's, especially this season, as I already said, he's really showing what he can do. But so far, Ryan Anderson's like looked really, really good this season. So I wonder, you know, okay, you throw him some money. But otherwise, you're in a position where you can kind of sign some other guys. I think, you know, no doubt the Omerishi contract is starting to kind of come back and bite them in the ass right now. I mean, he's due to make money through the 2020 season. So it'll be a while before they can do anything with him. And I don't see them, I don't see anyone really want to pick up his contract either, but it go. It, it's what you said though. It's yeah. We thought, you know, they need some role players. They need a new head coach. Well, they got the new head coach and look where they are. They're three and 11 right now. So definitely some kind of doom and gloom right now, hanging over the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, seems like both of us agree. Not really, not a chance of them making the playoffs this year. Yep. I, like I said before, I think there are too many other teams that look better than them uh, and would have to suffer significant injuries to multiple players to really relinquish some of their spots. And even just in the playoff hunt ahead of them, there are teams that'll make it for them, like the Rockets, who aren't in right now. You know, the Clippers are the ace seed, and are they going to be the ace seed at the end of the day? No. But that still means the Sun, like the Suns and the Mavericks, have to fall four spots, right? And then five or six spots to be out of the playoffs, and the Pelicans need to, you know, take over. Where the Suns have a playoff spot, Mavs have a playoff spot. Toward, you know, at, in the second half of the year, are they really going? Are they really going to look at the Pelicans on the on the schedule, who are two or three games behind them, and say, "Eh, let's coast"? No, that's going to be a playoff game for them, and right. you just have to expect that after the last couple of years of disappointment for both those teams, they're going to be able to win those games to secure, you know, their future. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely one of those tricky positions that they, uh, that I almost feel inclined to say they should just let this year be what it is. I'll, you know, try to learn out the gentry system a little bit and, just kind of accept the fact, like, yeah, you're, you know, maybe they'll battle for those the bottom spot, but otherwise, it's kind of a, it's kind of a a year down the tubes for the Pelicans this year. I think and it's not even like a hot take at this point. I mean, we've seen enough games, we've seen what they look like this year, and you know, yeah, you had Tyreek Evans back in. I don't think that adding him to the roster is going to necessarily fix things for them going forward. I think you know, no doubt he can be a really big part of that team, but otherwise. Just not really, not looking so hot this year for the Pelicans. Um, right. The Tyreek Evans addition puts them from ninth or 10th seed into the 8th, 7th or 8th, or even a little bit higher. It doesn't take them from the second worst team in the conference to an A seed. And they're going to be a prime candidate, like you said, for a team 30 games into the season to need to make a decision. Right. Do we want to try really push for a playoff? spot and think that we have you know a 10 game win streak in us to put us in the thick of it or do we want to you know send a player to the ir do we want to move eric gordon for even you know pennies on the dollar just to get something because he's gone after the year and do little things to get a decent draft pick and they're going to really have to make that decision because the Pelicans ending up, you know, 38 and 44. It's not good. That's not yeah. a good season for them. The, a couple games out of the playoff race doesn't really help them. They just made 
the playoffs. They either need another solid piece or they need to be back in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, any other teams we want to talk about or any more stuff on Pelicans you want to dive into? I feel like we kind of – we gave each yeah. team that's not doing well their due, uh, their due service on on this podcast. So, Yeah, I, feel, I would feel bad uh, continually talking bad about the Pelicans. But, I mean, unfortunately, that's just where we are. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm inclined to, to agree with you. Um, anything else you want to dive into or is that – going to be it probably i think that pretty much handles it i think that there's a obviously a handful of other teams that have been slightly disappointing mm-hmm. these, these are the biggest and uh i mean three or four to select make playoffs so they're i mean they're still obviously the light at the end of the tunnel they just all need to figure it out and like we said they're only when we're less than 15 games into the season, there's plenty of time, but at the same time, the time is now. Figure it right. out, put some wins together, play like we know you can play, and you're going to be in the playoffs. Pretty much except the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, you're actually, your microphone broke up when you were just saying that. So basically, it seems like what you're saying is like these teams can make the, you know, they'll be able to, some of these teams will make the playoffs outside of the Pelicans. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It just got really, really weird for the audio quality. So that wraps up this day's, I guess, because we're going to do other podcasts this week for the Nuke Exception. Um, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Just look up Midweek Exception. You can also find us on Pocket Casts as well um, on multiplesources.net. If you just want to stream the podcast on there, that's always an option as well. Um, in addition, we have a Twitter account at MW Exception. Otherwise, thanks a ton for listening. We'd appreciate any ratings that you can give us. And yeah, thanks for listening.